1: What's up, everybody? Welcome in. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt. His name is Joe. We've been on the air for about an hour, and now we're kicking it into high gear for the final hour, but stay right where you are because more great quality, informative programming coming your way. And of course, if you miss anything, at SportsGrid, at SportsGridTV, those are the social media handles. Joe, we have to go around the diamond here because in the second hour on this show, we generally ramp things up and we speak more to the financial side of how to get rich off of baseball
2: yes that's good we want to make good investments here it's hour two hopefully everyone out there is enjoying the show today you saw hour one and you are with us for a second hour because we're just fun and it's father's day we're talking baseball we're having a good time here so let's get some of uh more headlines of major league baseball around the diamond we'll start with yadier molina who lands on the IL with knee inflammation uh yadi did set a record earlier this week before he went on the il by the way too congratulations to him more put outs a catcher than anybody else in the history of baseball. That is an impressive statistic. So hopefully, a little rest does the old knees some good because that rotation absolutely needs Yadier and Molina, and uh, it is just incredible the longevity he's had at the catcher position. I mean, just unbelievable. And to think too, you know, he was the kid in the Molina family, a family of a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other catchers and a whole bunch of other. Right? You had Benji. You had Jose. He had Yachty. Yachty was just a, just a lad, just a boy. And he turned out to be the best one of all. Uh, Andy Ashby had a forearm issue. He doesn't think he's going to miss a start, but forearm issues can be very tricky sometimes. So keep a close eye on this one because the Brewers just simply cannot afford to have another starting pitcher go down. They just can't. Uh, Riley Green made his major league debut for the Tigers this weekend. Very exciting news. More on that in a second. And Tyler, Tyler, or as I like to call him, Tyler, the terrible Tyler McGill shut down. He'll be reevaluated in a few weeks. So that's kind of pressing the window here for Max Scherzer. Now, Max Scherzer making a rehab start uh, Tuesday. He is slated to make that rehab start. If all goes well, then be back on Sunday for the New York Mets. That's very important. That's something that we're looking forward to. Um, And again, this kind of moves the window here. Now Scherzer's a competitor anyway. We all know he's going to want to get back as soon as possible. But at the same time, another injury in this Mets rotation certainly puts a little bit more pressure so the only hope I have Matt is that they don't rush Max Scherzer make sure Max Scherzer is okay and 100% Scherzer because the last thing you want is a reaggravation of an oblique injury because then then we don't see you for months so hopefully this was something where you felt the pull. you decide I'm gonna stick I'm not gonna try to stick it out I'm not gonna be a hero I'm gonna leave the game immediately because I know what this is I know if I press it it's gonna be worse So, are you any concerned whatsoever about Scherzer rushing back from this injury? Because it is on the earlier side of the timetable.
1: Well, that and the fact that he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's not a young man. You know, there's a lot of those road miles on that body. And, yeah, you have to really be careful. It's a very long season. I think the Mets and Buck know that as well. Uh, just right now it couldn't be any worse you know the Braves the Phillies streaking right now while the Mets seem to just kind of be moving in place they're gonna need something from someone at some point to do something David Peterson could be a good left-handed option for people if you're thinking about it but uh, right now I don't know man Joe I've said this to you before it's a long season but it does not look good but once the Grom comes back and I think Mm -hmm. things will be a
2: lot better for your Mets. Well, look, you get Scherzer and DeGrom back in that rotation before all-star break or somewhere around that, those two guys, if you have them healthy for the stretch run into the playoffs, I mean, look, uh, sorry guys, there's just nobody better. There's no better one, two in baseball than those two guys. You're talking about Scherzer who has been at the top of his game for a decade now and Degrom, who the last four years as welcome in our radio audience here to diamond bets. We're talking about that met rotation, getting healthy. Let me tell you, uh, there is nobody better than what the Mets can throw at you with DeGrom and Scherzer, but it's still a huge if, and that's one of those things that that's, what's keeping the Mets on this world series board at a great number to invest in because it's a little scary because that health is a real issue. Uh, let's look at the future a little bit. Let's look about Riley green a second here because Riley green went two for three with a pair of walks two runs scored in his second game. Uh, the contract was purchased, obviously, uh, on Friday. So all the prospect world was a buzz. Uh, he had 274, 333 with a 387 um, clip over a AAA this year over 15 games. Uh, but last year was very good between A AA and A. had uh, the 21 year old had a 921 OPS with 24 homers and 16 steals. Now, my only concern with Riley Green is this, which is lineup protection. You know the the tigers are not a great lineup whenever you have a young player it's kind of the same thing with torkelson right you just you wish they had a little bit more around them so they didn't feel as much pressure riley greens are terrific talent but in terms of early investments i'm a little just kind of hands off right now i'm rooting for him but i'm not investing in him in any way outside of maybe some dfs shares if he's hot to start his career because again lack of line of protection for young players that could be a tough transition to the big leagues yeah,
1: a thousand percent, but in an isolated incident, incident, if you wanted to look at a guy like Riley Green and some of his props, that could be the way to go. Or if you're in a season long, a deep league, and he's out there and you have room, why not? Because if nothing else, someone's gonna wanna trade for him, especially if the kid mm-hmm. gets really hot.
2: Now, we also told you, we're gonna give you a dad joke every segment today. So here you go, here's your dad joke. How do you measure social media influence, Matt? How do you measure social media influence? How? How do you? In Instagrams. In Instagrams. That's right. That's right. The silence after the dad joke is key. There's a certain skill to the dad joke. You have to commit to it, you have to give the dry ending, and then you have to let it breathe. It's like a bottle of wine. Got to open it up, let the aromatics happen. Here you go. That's the secret to good dad jokes. We got the secrets to good investments too, especially waiver wire pickups in your fantasy league, so don't go anywhere.
0: Sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com.
1: Welcome back in Diamond Bets Rolls On, chugging our way home. It is now time for the very popular Waiver Wire Edition segment. It's where Joe Pizzoppia and I sit down. We break down certain players that you should be interested in, as well as how much roster percentage this player has, your likelihood to go out ahead and grab that player. So, Joe, let's jump right into the Waiver Wire ads. Where do you want to start? How about in the NL East? Mm -hmm. Anyone jumping out?
2: How about it? Let's do it. Let's get to know it? Michael Harris, a young rookie for the Atlanta Braves. A lefty swinger has has definitely some old school, Jason Hayward kind of qualities. Did you get the Jason Hayward vibe out of Michael Harris when You're watching him a little bit it reminded me a little where he holds his hands. I mean, you know, probably not the same kind of, you know, potential player that Hayward was, but Hey, I don't think Hayward ever lived up to the full breadth of his potential, but right now we'll take what we can get. And so far, it's been pretty good for Michael Harris, 67 at-bats this year, 12-run uh, score coming into the weekend, 22 hits, got two homers, not a huge power guy necessarily, uh, doesn't have two steals, but it's the contact has been really good. He's putting the ball in play. He's making good contact, in 328. So batting average is always a hard thing to find. Uh, but I always like to dig a little deeper. Matt knows this. I always like to go and find out who this guy is at the minor league level. And you could tell a lot from the guy when you look at the big overall minor league uh, picture and power is not really his game right over 101 games in uh single a in 2021 he had just seven home runs so this is not a big power hitting guy he's not a guy who's gonna slug off the chart although he does hit a fair amount of doubles but some of the doubles are also off that speed so if you're in a points league scenario this guy can help you if you're in desperate need for batting average and i'm pretty sure anybody in a fantasy league is in desperate need of batting average mm-hmm. because batting average just sucks in 2022, it just does it just a fact of life. This guy can help you. And if you look at the roster percentage right now, he's roughly available in half a leagues. He's just 54% rostered. So chances are he's out there on a coin flip. Now, uh, if you look at the minor league track record in terms of the batting average, that holds 292, a 360 OBP. That's tremendous. That's what we're really looking for. It's like the anti Trevor Story argument. Remember, we talked about Trevor Story. Talking about this guy that, like, he doesn't get on base enough. You don't get on base, you can't make things happen. Can't steal first, right? So the guy does have some speed. He had 27 stolen bases, by the way, in single A that same year where he had the seven home runs over the 101 game. So stolen bases are there. Sometimes the minor league stolen bases numbers get a little inflated because you get guys who don't have good moves to hold guys on. You get pitchers who are inconsistent. You also get catchers who don't have the same kind of arm to throw guys out. But speed's there. Contact rate's there walk rates there all the things that can be a very useful player is he a star player probably not but he's just 22 years old so there's always room to grow but i think i like some of the profile here of michael harris and i think this is a player that can really like i said help out some short term uh, i think if you look at dfs2 guy who puts the ball in play contact who's got a cheap cost on fan or DraftKings. that's not bad i'll take that guy that's called a lineup builder you use those guys to go all the way to the top of the board so you can afford Shane McClanahan or somebody else who's super expensive that night. So, so far, what have you seen that of Michael Harris and have you been impressed by the young Braves outfielder, Matt?
1: Yep, so I had Harris uh, on my radar when he came up and the stickability, for lack of a better term, was the only thing that was giving me a little bit of pause, but he's shown that he's gonna stick. So that and the fact that it gives you exposure to a great lineup, gives you a little bit more exposure to an even better player when we're talking about guys like Acuna. So I like this, and I like that term lineup builder because he's not gonna be the guy that is going to break the bank for you, but he's going to give you exposure to some of the other things that at the end of the day are going to contribute to a nice winning day or winning season, Joe.
2: Yeah, uh, next guy on the list here is Jake Berger. And the social media uh, Twitterverse went crazy last week because King face Berger, and obviously, you know, the people just can't get enough of that stuff. Now that's a dad joke too. I mean, you know, everybody was looking for the Burger King matchup and you got it. You got the Burger King matchup. Now he was dealing with a hand injury uh, earlier this week, but if you look at what burgers done over 132 at bats this year, he's got eight home runs, uh, a lot of strikeouts, still 42 strikeouts, just nine walks hitting two seventy-three though. But the power's there, uh, 18 runs scored playing third base. That's where he qualifies. But if you look, you know, yo, Moncada has really, you know, I think I don't want to say bust, but he hasn't quite, once again, lived Mm -hmm. up to what his potential might have been. And the White Sox are in a dogfight in that central. Make no mistake about it right now. I mean, they are looking up at the Twins. They're looking up at Cleveland. They're looking at each other. (laughs) You know they desperately want to get Aloy Menez back in this lineup. Uh, They got Lance Lynn back finally. This is the point now where if you're the White Sox, you have to start to play up to your potential because you can only run the injury excuse for so long. In the meantime, Burger's an interesting player, because I think if you look at the minor league track record of this guy, a little higher slugging percentage than the last guy we talked about, about 470 range, 265 hitter. This is a guy that can help out. And I think if you're having some injury issues right now at 40% rostered in a deeper league, I think Burger's a guy that can help you out in a short period of time while he's swinging a hot bat. And you see some of the power potential there. This to me is the kind of player that does get figured out, you know, at some point, and you could see there's a lot of swing and miss. So Again, this is more of a, like I'm going to throw two, three, four bucks, maybe on this player, depending on how desperate I am for some help. I'm not going to overpay for him either, but I think he can be a contributor. And then from the DFS side of things, watch this White Sox lineup now in the next couple of weeks, because there's got to be a little bit of desperation, in my opinion, for the White Sox. I know I don't want to be hyperbolic. I don't want to say, oh my goodness, you know, the White Sox are falling out of it. they are three games out. they are three games out in the central. That's got Cleveland. That's a team that is imperfect and Minnesota which is also a team that's imperfect ahead of them. There's every reason to believe that the White Sox can make a run. But again, the excuses go only so far in terms of the injuries. Eventually you have to play up to your abilities too. And if you look at Cleveland's eight and two over the last 10, the White Sox are still playing 500 baseball, Matt. That's not going to get it done. You can't play 500 and win this division. And guys like Berger are going to have to step up and continue to contribute. So what are your thoughts on Berger and the rest of the White Sox? Because really haven't touched too much on them recently.
1: But the fear is that that white knuckle approach, gripping the bat too hard, we've got to catch up, we got to swing, we got to mm. swing, and the next thing you know, oh boy, and that, that's what concerns you guys like Berger with that, that swing and miss. But I understand people wanting to get exposure to that White Sox lineup, and a lot of people saying, oh no, they're going to come around, they're going to come around. Panic is a real thing, and uh, I do believe that a team takes on the personality of their manager, and Tony's been around long enough not to panic, and he has made some... Questionable calls, but then again, that's why he sits where he sits and I sit where I sit. But with that said, I think Mm -hmm. there are other places to go. Burgers is too volatile. And you made a great point as well that he's hot right now. A lot of times, season-long fantasy players, they pick a player up and then they forget about him. And two weeks goes by and you go, oh, gosh, what did I do? You have to really monitor situations. And in the DFS world as well, monitor these situations. That's the beauty of having shows like this and platforms like that, Joe.
2: And there's nothing wrong with picking up a guy who's hot off the waiver wire and then flipping him. You know, if he has another good week for you, that that can be helpful. I mean, the Cole Calhoun strategy we laid out there a couple weeks ago when he was tearing the cover off the ball, pick him up, play him in your lineup for a week, and then try to package him for something else. Uh, Luke Voigt might fit that bill as well. He went three for five the other day uh, with two doubles, solo home run, uh, eight homers and 28 RBI over this stretch here and 169 uh, at-bats on the year. He's homered in three of his last four games coming into the weekend. He's rostered in 50% of leagues. You know, the batting average is still low uh, I think everybody thought Luke Voigt was more of a product of the Yankee Stadium ballpark and that's fair I think that, that is a fair assumption but if you're looking for some cheap power uh, on DFS night as long as there's a good matchup there ahead of you we talked about Cronenworth earlier talking about Luke Voigt. it seems like the Cubs pitching staff is kind of the cure-all for any offense that's struggling a little bit but this is important because Manny Machado needs some help especially when he got the news that Fernando Tatis wasn't going to be back on the earlier side of the timetable. So Luke Voit, Hosmer needs to pick things up a little bit. Like all these pieces around him really need to do something. And I'll tell you what, I think Proler needs to do something too. I do think this is a team, even with Tatis back, they should look long and hard at adding another bat where they can, because I do think the Padres still need more offense. That's what they need the most. But look, to me, Voit is a guy you can add and just get some cheap power. What do you think, Matt?
1: Uh, I think if he's out there and you can pick him up, you grab vote and then you find the Yankee fan in your season long league and you package something <laughs> together because they know exactly what vote is.
2: Yeah, and they can't quit him. Those guys, they just love the uh, Luke Void. They love him, can't get enough. All right, we come back, we're gonna take a look at the matchups for next week in Major League Baseball. The ones are important and we got one in the central it really is. We'll come back right after this and talk about
0: it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back in, this is Diamond Bets where the fire crackles above the wood. None of that propane stuff that Joe will have none of in a fire pit on a Father's Day. We're gonna jump right into the fire pit here. Take a look ahead at some matchups and try to break down different styles, different ways that we can take advantage. So Joe, fire it up, what do you got?
2: Yeah, that propane stuff is nonsense. That little stupid little flame that comes over your little colored rocks. No, that's not a man pit. Father's Day, if you got the fire pit going, you need the wood, you need the crackly sounds, you need to put the newspaper under there, you got to do the whole thing. That's the fire pit. You need the, the you know, put the lumber in. You got to carry the lumber to the fire pit to put it in there. You'll just turn on a little switch. No. Propane barbecue, that's fine. That's fine. That's practical. But not that pro Come on. Come on. Let's go. Dudes, all my dudes out there. You know what I'm talking about. All right. Let's start here. St. Louis, Milwaukee. Here we go it's on this is a huge series and uh right now if you're looking at the pitching matchups theoretically i think they all favor and i'm gonna say all and i know it's a little tenuous here because we're going to milwaukee but miles Mikolas has pitched very well here for the cardinals they're gonna travel to milwaukee Gordon burns is still great maybe a little bit more human this year than he's been in some other years jack flaherty coming off the injury okay but andy ashby i'm not sure if he's gonna make this start necessarily i'm not locked into this I'm not thinking this is a gimme. He could be a guy who could be out in the first inning of this game. And let me tell you, psychologically, emotionally, I think if this guy goes out there, has to come out early, I think the whole air goes out of that balloon in Milwaukee. I would watch this game very carefully because I think you'd probably get, you know, Flaherty coming, you know, on the road, second, third start of the year, whatever it ends up being by this time. Ashby, I would imagine with Milwaukee is going to be the favorite in this game, but I'd be looking in the the St. Louis side. Then you got Adam Wainwright against Eric Lauer, who also come back down to earth a little bit in this month compared to where he had been in April, where he was just incredible. But again, those things aren't sustainable. You have to look for those trends and then realize it's always going to be the regression back to the mean, as the as the kids like to say, as the nerds love the regression to the mean. It's their favorite of all those things. But I'm looking at this series, and this is a great opportunity here for St. Louis to kind of make a statement and pull away a little bit. Uh, arenado swinging a hot bat right now we talk about paul goldschmidt being out of his mind lately the big problem here is they're missing their catcher yadi molina so that is the one caveat here i don't think he's going to be back in time for this game or any of these games so if you're gonna have your best shot here going on over to milwaukee i think these are the three pitchers you want taking the ball and conversely you know this milwaukee offense has been kind of underwhelming and if there's one, and I never like this, Matt, I'm never somebody who wants to like take somebody's job or any of that nonsense, but Milwaukee hitting coach needs uh, a reevaluation system, because if you think about, the well, players that have come through there in the last few years, and even some of the young players and outside of Christian Yelich at this miraculous window, the rest of this offense has been lackluster. The approach has not been good. And you look at guys like Kesson Hura, who have come through this organization, who were supposed to win batting titles, and then they can't hit their weight at the big league level. I don't understand. Something is awry there. Something's a miss. Something needs to be reevaluated and looked at very strongly. So this to me is a very important series. I'm going to be on the St. Louis side in all three of these games. And even though they're on the road, I think this is an opportunity to make money because I imagine Milwaukee might be favored in at least this first one, if not two of these games. So what do you, what do you think and what kind of approach are you taking to the St. Louis versus Milwaukee three game set? So overall, it's Cardinals
1: take two of three. Just put a little respect Mm. on Burns' name, if nothing else. And I would watch the money line in that game, and I'd watch uh, run lines across the entire series because that's where I think you'll probably find your most favorable numbers. But uh, St. Louis, two out of three. I think Goldschmidt's always going to be in play for props. Juan Yepez, if he's in the lineup, another guy they could find the right prop on, you can certainly uh pull away a profit Brendan donovan these kinds of players tommy edmond it's real prop specific for the cardinals Mm -hmm. here and the point about what you were making with that no brewer bat is doing anything special that jumps out to a wagerer or a dfs player you hit it right on the head. So overall, you take the Cardinals taking two of three, which two those are, remains to be seen. Watch the numbers and the prices, and then look for Cardinal player props as a way to pad your bank a little bit with some plus money because there are other series that are going to be very, mm-hmm. very public. Yankees and Tampa, here we go
2: again. More of the same, Joe, or no? Now, well, I mean, the the Yankees all of a sudden finally stood up to the, to the mighty... Yep. Big market Tampa Rays last week. (laughs) We talked about right. We said, "Oh man, it's the same old story, right?" Tampa's going to come in and whoop the Yankees real quick. Though one note, I think the best place to make money in that last series we just talked about isn't that first game because all the money is going to be on Burns. And if you look at what Mikelis has done so far this year, Miles Mikelis has been really good. 82 innings, 2.6 ERA, .97 WHIP. The strikeout numbers aren't going to jump out of you, but he's a good pitcher. I'm just saying. With the lack of Brewer run support being consistent, that's the where I would go make my money. Now to make money in this one, you get Nestor Cortez against Shane McClanahan in the first game. Severino versus Fleming and Montgomery versus Shane Boz. Now I think this third one is the easiest one for me because Montgomery has been very consistent and Shane Boss is still, I think, working his way back. So to me, Montgomery, that's the one where I think the Yankees, I feel the best about in that first one though, it's really hard to bet on anything other than Shane McClanahan. Even the last game, he pitched very well against the Yankees got the no decision. So. Shane McClanahan's right up there at the top with Justin Verlander in the Cy Young race. Nestor Cortez certainly has had a fantastic season, but I think at home, you gotta go with McClanahan in this first game. And then in that second game, you know, I think that one's up for grabs. Um, it feels like a bit of a trap for some reason to me. I don't know why. I think if we see the name Fleming, is he name Severino? You just go, oh yeah. And unfortunately I think when we do that more often than not, that's the trap when we fall into it. So I think the rays have a chance here to, um, to once again take two out of three i think it will be these first two if they do the third one with montgomery that's the game i feel most confident for the yankees and look it's a very different environment in tampa than it is in new york a couple of fly balls here and the game changes dramatically in yankee stadium that is not the case in tampa a much more difficult place to hit and especially to hit home runs so uh for me i can't bet against mclanahan he's been too good i would bet the over on the strikeout total my guess is it's going to be somewhere around seven ish Uh, seven and a half would be my guess. And you know what? I think he can get there. He's been that good this year. Uh, And then with Montgomery, like I said, I think that's the place where in DFS, I think that's a really good opportunity for him to go out there and continue to be quietly the unsung hero, if you will, of this Yankees rotation this year. But Matt, what are your thoughts on the Yankees and Rays coming up in this rematch from last week?
1: Well, these two teams specifically, the strategy for me, and I don't normally say this, is just look at the under. This series, I think, is five and one to the under. So why not try to find, depending on your betting house, maybe you can tease down the total. If if it's over eight and a half, tease it down. Take Yankees and a smaller number. You can also do uh, Yankees and both teams to score two or more runs, or Tampa and both teams to score two or more runs. It's just different ways to try to get in on something that the public it's clear the yankees are very good they understand now we're going to go to the trop but if you look a little deeper and you know something about the numbers and the personalities of the teams and when they play each other how the series is play out that's where i think you find the majority of your plus money is trying to find unders and trying to parlay it off of something and of course you can always do an Aaron judge total base prop if the (laughs) number is good
2: you read my mind i was like the one thing you could always do is just put aaron judge total bases in there because it just feels like an automatic at this point i mean the the juice is going to go so far the other direction, but it might be better this one because you are talking like you are talking about the Rays and you are talking about Tampa and you're taking them out of Yankee Stadium. So you might get a better minus than you're used to getting, let's say, at Yankee Stadium than you might get at Tampa. So take take the Tampa one and take it to the bank because I'm with Matt. You could even put it in a parlay with a couple other good ones in the night. and I think make that work uh, next series here is philadelphia and san diego now the phillies have been red hot since firing their manager we told you look for that bounce the phillies have gotten that bounce they've played much better baseball it's a lot easier when you have two guys at the top of that rotation in nola and wheeler that's very important still bullpen issues certainly there, certainly looming but here we go so this first game in the series you got ranger suarez taking on mike clevenger so we're still waiting for clevenger to kind of find himself to me you look for the over in this game uh, you look for probably potential to get into the bullpen. This is also some home run props are out there too, because whenever you get the middle relief involved and, and both these bullpens are, you know, certainly Philly's more uh, susceptible than San Diego. But San Diego is not impervious. Aaron Nola against Mackenzie Gore. You got to be on the Nola side of this game. He's been far too good. And uh, the San Diego offense has struggled, especially at home, especially Jake Cronworth at home. Zach Eflin, certainly and Blake Snell, talk about four outcome games run away from this one either of these guys can throw a gem either can blow up I want nothing to do with this game just wake me up when it's over and then Kyle Gibson against you Darvish I think we're all going to be on the Darvish side but specifically that K prop for you Darvish because the Philadelphia Phillies certainly have a fair amount of strikeouts in them did I surmise this series pretty well Matt did I leave something out what do you think
1: Well, no, listen, it's a couple of things. One, it's Padres' home cooking. So you look at the the splits and you see how it's favored that way. And then you look at this, I think, as a real litmus test for Philadelphia. Uh, At the end of the day, if they come out splitting this, then you can move forward and bet on them as they've been showing you. But if they come drop three, I think we have to start to pull back. This is a perfect time for this Phillies-Padres series, especially for Raiders that want to look at the Phillies moving forward. Because there are some really, really intriguing and enticing pieces in this Phillies team. So it's just been hard to wager on them. We talked about Schwarber and Harper with his issues and his elbow, and where's Castellanos been? So, this is going to be a fun one.
2: Real quick, do you think the uh, Phillies are buyers at the deadline?
1: talk to me after this series It really this really matters a lot oh, but i could see okay. them being so you know if some of these pitchers are out there like we've been talking about some of these bullpen I mean, Anthony dominguez is great but is he going to be the guy that you're going into the postseason with
2: i'm not uh, so sure. no no i don't think so either oh uh, one more dad joke for you this was a science dad joke uh why can't you trust adam Matt? why because they make up everything because Fair. they make up everything There you go. We come back. We're going to ask important questions, give big-time answers, and see where we land. Don't go anywhere. More Diamond.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: All right, folks, welcome back in. It's been a wild ride. We hope you've been taking notes. Of course, we love when we hear feedback out there at SportsGrid, at SportsGridTV. We like where we help people out. Hey, I picked up so-and-so, or hey, great call on this total base play. Things of that nature always make us smile. And right now, it's time to smile with the one and only Joe Pizzapia. We do the Fantasy Roundtable. It's where we round the bases, essentially. We have burning questions as we go around and around, and then finally, we slide on into home. So Joe, the first question here we go. Will the Chicago Cubs trade Wilson Contreras before the trade deadline? What says you?
2: I says yes. Ah. And I says yes because I don't see the Cubs getting better anytime soon. And I think Contreras is a player that will be very coveted by numerous teams. Um I don't think, you know, the more you hear about Francisco Alvarez in the Mets system, I don't think that's a player they want to trade, but if you're the Cubs and you can get that young catcher back, that's the kind of deal you want to do. I don't know if the Mets are going to do that necessarily. I don't think they feel that need, but that would be the, the, the size of the swap you could possibly get. We're talking about a top 10 overall prospect in baseball there and at the catcher position, but the Cubs are not going to be good this year or they're not good this year. I should say they're not going to be good next year. You look at the pipeline of players, one of their number one prospects is hurt right now too. I I don't see this team being good in the next few years. So if this is your window here with Contreras, I think you have to make that move, Matt, because as a catcher, you and I both know, most people aren't Yachty or Molina. (laughs) I, I don't know what fountain Yachty Molina has been drinking out of, but I wanna fill up my water bottle there and I want all of it because the catcher position typically is not this kind to guys who age. So you're at your peak for Contreras, and if you're at your peak value for Contreras and he can help a fair amount of teams out there, I think you take the hall and you continue to build this organization and rebuild it and try to get more position players back, do it the way you did back in that, you know, 2015, 16, 17 era, where, where you're having these guys come in you have the Bryants and you have the Baez, and you have the Rizzo's get the guys that are position players by your pitching later, build with position players. That's how you build something that's going to last. I think Contreras is a piece that can bring back those pieces. And if you wait too long, there's an injury or decline, the catcher position, you're going to miss that window. And I also don't think making big investments contractually for young catcher or for a catcher. I should say a veteran catcher is the best way to spend your money either statistically speaking. So I say, yes, I think they should where that's going to be. That's to be determined. How about you? Do you think they're going to deal with? Him? And if so, what spots do you think might be where he might land?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. A bird in hand is worth two in a bush. If you have something of value and you don't see a path forward for the organization, then you need to take advantage of that value. Where he's going to land it remains to be seen. I, again, when I hear the team and then I think in the division, I say that's probably not going to happen, but stranger things have occurred. I usually foresee guys going to the other league. It's just how my mind works from when I was a kid, but I know the game has changed. But anyway, you look at it, they should. Uh, all right. Question number two, uh, currently the best overall shortstop in baseball. I'd love to hear your opinion, Joe.
2: Oh man. Best shortstop in baseball. Well, I mean, overall, I think is the, the key term here. Um, that's the one that you want to keep coming back to. We're in, we're in a, a good era for shortstops. You know, one of my favorite ones obviously is, uh, has been hurt for a while and that's been, uh, my boy Wander Franco. So I'm a big fan right. of Franco. Trey Turner's been outstanding. I mean, I think, anyone who watches him on a, on a daily basis knows what kind of player he is. Um, that's probably where I land. Uh, I love Lindor. He's fun to watch, but there's definitely some inconsistencies there. Um, Beau Bichette's not had a great season. If you're looking at the board of shortstops here, I think it's probably Trey Turner. Uh, when all said and done, I think Xander Bogar should be in that conversation though. So ugh, Xander and Trey Turner one and two for me, statistically profile wise, I'm probably more of a Bogarts guy. So I'm going to go Bogarts for me, which is a player that let me tell you, I think Boston's going to, Boston's going to really be looking back in the the last few years of decisions they've made where they didn't pay Mookie Betts, but they pay Chris sale that they paid Trevor story, but don't want to play Xander Bogarts. I don't know what the hell they're thinking about there, but they're making a grouping of decisions in this organization. These last five years that I think are completely puzzling. So, I think it's a huge mistake not to pay Xander Bogarts, give Trevor Story a ton of money. I don't get it, but I don't know. What do you? Who, how about you? Who's the best overall shortstop in baseball for you right now?
1: Yeah, it's Trey Turner, Bo Bichette, 1-2, uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, Turner is just purely on the talent alone and what he brings to the team. For mm-hmm. Bichette, it, it's the upside, it's the players around him, and it's also the way he plays the game. But those would be my 1-2 uh, my as far as shortstops currently. All right, question number three. Are
2: you concerned, by the way, before I get get that, I want to talk about Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette this year, kind of having a down year. He's got 67 strikeouts in 64 games, 732 OPS. That's not the OPS we expected from Bo Bichette. You know, the 260 batting average, yeah, whatever. But any concerns here that the league's kind of figured him out a little bit, just out of curiosity?
1: If the Jays didn't have the expectations on them and then the subsequent struggles, I'd say, yeah, but I think this is one of those things where it feels like internally the team got together and said, keep swinging, keep swinging, keep swinging, keep swinging. At the end of the day, it'll all pay off. That just seems to be the mentality of this ball club. But I do understand the concern
2: moving forward. If those are still the numbers,
1: then then, yeah, I'd say you're on to something.
2: Yeah. Still just a half of baseball. So a lot more baseball to go. Sure. And that's the We we still got like what 90 games. Left play, right? what we so, is nine? that all? Is 90 yeah. games? Come <laughs> like, on. Oh, what are we doing? But, but I all just right. wanted to ask the question because it does it does beg the uh, the discussion at the very least because he is still a young player
1: yeah and then speaking of the how many more games do we have left and so on and so forth the next question or will the braves overtake the mets for first place in the east by the all-star break now this doesn't mean are they going to be there at the end it means by the all-star break break will the braves have overtaken the mets joe what says
2: you we're having such a nice day why why you got to do this why,
1: why,
2: <laughs> hey man i, I didn't understand. write the questions <laughs> uh, you, know, uh, Komsky, you know we were having such a nice day here yeah, it's Father's Day. We're telling dad jokes, having a good time. Why Why you, gotta, why you gotta do this to me? I, I don't understand. Uh, was it something I said? I don't get it. No, no, they're not. The Braves are still six and a half games out. Scherzer's coming back. Uh, I think this Mets team is built a little differently than some other ones. It does feel like the mental framework of this team. And I'm going to contribute a lot of that or attribute, I should say, a lot of that to you, Buck Showalter. Uh, I've been a huge Buck Showalter fan since the days where he was in the Yankee organization before he was the manager. Uh, I thought he was a man of integrity with the Yankees who walked away when Steinbrenner, they made the playoffs and Buck Showalter said, no, you're not going to, f- just because you lost in a playoffs, you're not going to fire my staff. If you fire my staff, I'm going to screw you. And he went and then Joe Torre picked up that team and went off and won. And I think Buck Showalter would have won just as many championships with that Yankee team. I, I really believe that. Uh, This is a guy that made Arizona competitive, you know, uh, expansion, nothing team. (laughs) You know, this is a guy that knows how to win. And he's been in some tough spots in Texas and some tough spots in Baltimore. He's finally in a spot now with an owner who will give him the pieces he needs. So uh, I say no. I mean, the Braves had this incredible run, right? They're even eight and two in their last 10 games. They won all these games in a row. They're still six and a half games behind the Mets. So no, the answer is no. We'll see what happens at the end. But no, not by the all-star break. (laughs) Matt, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that the Mets had done enough up until now to maintain the lead. Will it be close? Sure, why not? But you, have a, you make a good point there as far as the personality of the ball club. I think Buck really has turned things around. No panic at uh, city Field for this team. So I'm with you. I think that the Mets do hang in there. As far as what happens in September, much different conversation, but we have miles to go before we sleep. Next question. Um, this is a good one. Who's been the most underrated team in baseball so far this season, and
2: why? I think it's the Cleveland guardians. Um, what Jose Ramirez has done, I just like, can we, can we get some perspective on Jose Ramirez? 60 games, 16 homers, 62 RBI <laughs> every day is another RBI for this guy. Uh, he's got more walks than strikeouts. Stop me. If you've heard that in the last five years, 34 walks, 20 strikeouts and 11 steals. I mean, this guy's carrying this team 305 batting average, a 397 OBP, 642 slugging, 1039 OPS. They're getting contributions from guys like Josh Naylor. They're getting contributions of guys like Andres Jimenez. Um Austin Hedges, I think, is a very good catcher at his position, right? I'm talking about catcher guys, right? Owen Miller's come back and he's been contributing again too. On the pitching side, People were a little worried about Shane Bieber. I think they're less worried now because he's starting to look like Shane Bieber. He's got a three ERA. The whip is at 116. Tristan McKenzie is taking that next step forward as a pitcher. Um, that being said, there's still the back end of this rotation. It could use some work. You know, Quantrill has been okay, but Plesac has not been. Savali has certainly not been. Um, but I think if you look in terms of underrated, they find a way to win games. And most of it is on the bat of Jose Ramirez who's just been absolutely incredible. I think it's that one team you see them every day, and they probably shouldn't be at the record they're at, but they are, and they're being very competitive. And that's why I think I mean Jose Ramirez deserves a lot more credit and a lot more attention in that MVP race because that is a guy with nothing around him who is legitimately carrying a team by sheer will. Otani has trout, trout has Otani. Judge has a lot of help on both sides of the ball around him to make the Yankees a good team. I don't know what Jose Ramirez says, not a whole lot. That's my answer. What's yours? Yeah,
1: no, I mean, that's a good one, especially based on the fact that it's Ramirez doing it for the team. Uh, I'm going to look at other teams like, say, the Orioles and the Pirates, and the reason is is that you can always find a way to make some money. So, yeah, they're always going to be lopsided in their series or nine times out of ten. We saw what happened with Pittsburgh and the Dodgers, but they're good for plating one or two runs, and it brings me back to that and two kind of play. So if it's the Orioles playing the Yankees, you take the Yankees and both teams to score two or more runs because the Orioles are good for that. Same thing with the Pirates. They'll always be good for giving you a run or two so you can play them that way. And I think that's what makes them a little underrated because most people just look away from them completely when they see that they're playing a team that is a minus 250, for instance. Okay. Uh, Which current pitcher, Joe, would you declare is the best strikeout pitcher in baseball? Who do you got?
2: this is a very loaded question. I think this is a fascinating one because if you just go and buy statistics, it's McClanahan right now. I mean, he's, he's the guy who's been getting it done. Corbin Burns is right on his heels, but the strikeout picture also to me is that thing of like, who's the guy that can get a strikeout whenever he needs a strikeout? You know, I mean, and I, my brain immediately goes to Max Scherzer still that's a guy that when Max Scherzer needs a strikeout, he'll get the strikeout. But he is at a point in his career where he knows how to budget himself. Where he doesn't have to strike out every single person anymore. So the finer points of pitching, I would say Max Scherzer. But in terms of who's the guy that's going to accumulate the most right now, it certainly feels like Shane McClanahan is that guy. I mean, Robbie Ray is still towards the top of the strikeout leaderboard as he is every single year, even though he hasn't pitched quite as well. I mean, Kyle Wright's been very good. Dylan Cease and Aaron Nola. Look, Aaron Nola, surprisingly this year has really been consistent, which has always been his problem is he'd have three good starts and then three terrible starts. That's not been the case for Aaron Nola this season. He's been brilliant, but I think McClanahan's got to be that guy right now. But if you're asking me, who do I want to get a strikeout in a big spot, I'll still go with Mad Max. So what's your answer? Because I'm fascinated to hear how you break down this question.
1: Oh, well, it's McClanahan in short form, but then from there, instead of Scherzer, I would pivot to Garrett Cole. I really would. We, we've seen him have the ability once again. Right now, I think he's about 12 to 1 for the Cy Young Award. Go look that up. But this is one of those guys that can go off on a huge run. This is a guy that can rack up double-digit strikeouts in a game. He can stymie someone for eight and a third and do it two, three, four times in a row. To me, Garrett Cole's the guy that I think is the
2: best strikeout pitcher in baseball. All right. One question for you, Matt. Another dad joke sure. for you. Uh, what did the grape say when it got crushed? What? Nothing. It just let out a little wine. There you go. Let's go. Happy Father's Day. Dad jokes abound. Maybe one more dad joke as we close things out here in the bullpen for the last segment of the show. We'll be right back with more Diamond Bed. Welcome back in everyone to diamond bets here on sports grid. Clearly my dad jokes have sent Matt striker away from the show. I thought they were great. I thought they were fun, but he just had enough and just up and quit. No, no. He had father's day things to do. That's that's not the case. He loves my humor. At least he keeps telling me that, but uh, I want to just shout out all the dads out there getting it done. You know who you are. Happy father's day to all of you. I hope you enjoy this father's day with a little baseball, a little sports grid, but you know, get out there and hang out. Call your kids, talk to your kids. Go do something with the family, and enjoy this day. And I want to thank uh, all of our team here, Chris Kofsky, especially our producer, our graphics team, and all the folks at LTN who make this show happen every single Sunday. These are the things to watch in baseball going forward this week. The first one is a Max a return. Let's hope that start is a good one in the minor leagues. Let's hope he's not pushed himself too hard, too fast. I know you're a bulldog, you're Mad Max, but still. Think about the long haul max. Think about the long haul. So hopefully we'll be back uh, next week and uh, talking about Max Scherzer starting on Sunday. We shall see. Uh, I want more Jose Ramirez, MVP buzz. I want it. I'm here for it. I just gave you the stats. He is the one man show. This guy was playing in New York. If he was playing in LA, we'd be talking about Jose Ramirez. Unfortunately, we're not. He is 12 to one for American league MVP. That is insane. This dude has been unbelievable. And how great of a guy is he? He took a discount to stay there because he loved Cleveland so much because he loved Cleveland so much. Think about that phrase for a moment, if you will. And the last thing here is Padre power Can the Padres lineup continue to finally hit around Manny Machado. So he's not a one man show himself we shall see certainly a big matchup against the Phillies coming up this week for the Padres. One more dad joke before we let you go. Here. And this one of course is baseball themed. So the dad joke is that baseball player was such a bad sport. He just stole home, uh, stole third base and then just went home. See, I screwed up there at the end. See, we're not perfect. We're just dads. What are you going to do again? Have a great weekend, everybody that'll do it for me and that striker. But the story of the game goes on. Enjoy father's day. We'll see you next time, kids. Have a great one.